Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's the Stream Police Podcast for July 6th, 2015. Oh, hello again, friends. Can't tell you how good it is to uh, chat with you again here, get behind the microphone, and talk about some of those things that you should be streaming out there in the vast media wasteland. We're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk shows. We're going to talk movies. We're going to talk music as well. I'm Clint Davis, the movies and television editor over at uh, OverdueReview.com, and uh, we'll be checking in a little bit later with Andy Sedlak, our music editor, as well urge you to go over to the website and read. Uh, we've uh, had, had quite a strong output here lately, writing um, uh, several since the last time we did a show. And, um, of course, as always, on the the show and the website, everything is brought to you ad-free. You won't see any ads on the, on the site. And, uh, of course, completely uh, free to you. I mean, we're, we're, we're giving it all away, basically, just out of the goodness of our hearts. So uh, just trying to watch out for you out there. Uh, but thank you very much for tuning in here to the Stream Police Podcast, and uh, we got uh, plenty of stuff to get to today. Going to talk about uh, a couple of shows that um, really, uh, I mean, one is making me really sad, the other one is really getting me intrigued again, and um, we're going to talk about a few movies, uh, especially one that I saw in theaters recently that I loved, and um, also going to bring you an, an intriguing idea about uh, television and how we uh, how we view television. Um, and my thoughts on that. So, uh, welcome into the show. Glad to have you with us. Let me start with my uh, Stogie of the Week. I got a Romeo and Juliet with me today. So, I'm going to go ahead and light that baby up. Give me a second here. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's good. Right, and by the way, if you hear my dogs barking, they uh, they don't know the meaning of a closed set. So, uh, I apologize for that, but uh, thank you very much for uh, tuning in here to the show. Of course, no matter how you're listening to it, I guess that's how you listen to it. But you can subscribe on iTunes so you never miss a new episode. And uh, if you uh, obviously continue to go to the website, uh, we'll always post whenever we have a new episode up. And if you follow us on Twitter, you'll get that news as well. It's at uh, overdue underscore review, and you can go to Facebook as well and like us there, just overdue review, if you go ahead and type that into the old search box there. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started on uh, television. Um, and and I, I hate to start it this way, but I got to crank up the funeral music. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, today, friends, we mourn the death of a great television series. One of the great television series of the recent uh, the, the recent era of TV, I would have to say, especially on network. NBC has lowered the sword down onto the neck of Hannibal, which just a few weeks ago I may have jinxed by calling it arguably the best network TV show on air right here on the Stream Police podcast. Hannibal is no more on NBC. Now, I guess the, the third season, which we're in the middle of right now, is going to ride out through the rest of the summer, and then they're done with it. The network is done with it, and it's the same BS reasons as always. I mean, it's viewership, it's uh, you know advertising and all that kind of crap. I mean, this is a show they put on at 10 o'clock at night. It's got a viewer discretion advised. It's not a show for everybody. But, you know, it's got that hardcore fan base who love its grittiness, who love the art direction of it, which is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, this show is just a cut above what you see on network TV. And I'll be honest with you. I feel like this show, I feel like NBC needed this show more than Hannibal needed NBC. I mean, honestly. Now, that might sound stupid because, obviously, the four networks have the most money to spend. I mean, they have huge budgets. NBC, if you want a lot of people to see your show... Obviously, you can't do much better than getting it out there. I mean, still, even though everyone streams all their TV, the the numbers still show that network TV does get the highest ratings. But a show like Hannibal was never going to be a ratings juggernaut. I mean, let's let's be honest. The, the I mean, the title character of the show is Hannibal Lecter, one of the great villains of all time, a guy who cooks and eats people. I mean, that that's the premise of the show. We're getting back into his origin story, um, retelling the story of one of the, the great, you know, villain characters of literature and of, of film of the last uh, 30 years. And it's, it's a hard show to watch. The art direction is gorgeous, but it is disgusting at times, as I said uh, a few weeks ago, but in the best way possible. It's just the show is so intriguing. The acting is great. But NBC is uh, going to lower the boom on it and cancel it. So uh, the good news is, though, that Brian Fuller, the guy who created the show, he's the cursed showrunner, of course, um, who has never had a TV series make it past three seasons, but every one of the shows he's created has achieved a critical acclaim and cult status. Uh, Fuller has reportedly been talking with Netflix and Amazon, and I feel like that could make it even better. I feel like the show could get even better on Netflix uh, or Amazon. It may not have the same—I don't know. I mean— I think it could have the same kind of budget. I don't know what kind of budget NBC gives Hannibal. It's got great actors on it. I mean, Mads Mikkelsen is is, is wonderful. Lawrence Fishburne's really good on it. Um, uh, Hugh Dancy's really good on it. I mean, it's just a, a cast that's like working their asses off, and they've got great sets, and it, it just looks like the show just looks great every week. I mean, it looks like film grade um, every week, which you don't see often um, on TV even these days, but uh, especially like away from HBO. Uh, so Fuller's been talking to Netflix and Amazon. I have to hope that one of those networks will pick this up. I mean, if if Community has been picked up a hundred times by a hundred different networks, I'd like to think that a show like Hannibal, um, that if anybody, if you've spent any time watching it, you realize is a very special television show and uh, has really a lot more left to give, even if they just give it one more season. I feel like the show, I mean, it does have an expiration point because it can't go, I mean, obviously the show's not going to be, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the writing staff's been great. They could surprise me. But I wouldn't think the show would be as interesting like once Hannibal does get caught and he's in jail and, you know, the, the, where the start of, like, The Silence of the Lambs is. I don't think that would be as interesting. But I never. But you never know. Uh, but I, I feel like if they give it an, a fourth season, a really great fourth season on Netflix or Amazon, the same way Netflix did with a show like The Killing from AMC that they rescued and gave a fourth season to, and that fourth season was actually uh, pretty strong, I mean, compared to... 
Um, I would say, I mean, really on that show, the, the first and second seasons were the weakest, and it got kind of better as it went along. But uh, I would just, I think this show deserves it. And I'd like to think that the people who are obviously very smart in programming at Netflix and Amazon, they've made great choices in the past, uh, would recognize that as well. But yeah, I mean, Brian Fuller, he's the guy that did, uh, if you like Dead Like Me back in the day, or if you liked Pushing Daisies, um, two seasons each of those shows. They both got canceled. People love those shows. They still swear by them. And uh, I mean, Fuller just cannot, he, he can't buy a series. Go- I mean, he, the guy just is not, he's not going to create a hit series ever because uh, networks won't stick it out with him. I think he's destined to, uh, he needs to pitch his next show for HBO or, or Showtime or, or, or Netflix or Amazon, somewhere where they're not going to uh, hold it to the exact same kind of metrics as they do when you're on network TV. So uh, Hannibal, we're mourning the death of it, but you know there is hope for uh, life to go on these days in television, which is a great thing. So that is one. It wouldn't really be a reboot, but that is one like uh, regeneration of a series that I would die to see. I would love to see that show uh, go on. Once again, cannot recommend it enough. Currently, the uh, third season is on Hulu Plus um, and on, on regular Hulu, I believe, too, if you want to get caught up on what's going on this season in Hannibal. Her liver was removed. You see that? Mm-hmm. Took it out. And then, yeah, he put it back in. Huh. Why would he cut it out if he's just going to sew it back in again? There's something wrong with the meat. She has liver cancer. Yeah, he's, um, he's eating them. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, another show that uh, I absolutely fell in love with in its first season, and I think a lot of people did too, and it's one of the darkest shows on TV, HBO's True Detective is back on Sunday nights at uh, 10 o'clock on the network. And this season, of course, if you don't know anything about True Detective, it is a limited series. So, like, the first season was 10 episodes. And it followed a, a single story in New Orleans. These two detectives, played by Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, were working on a case uh, missing, missing girls, dead girls, trying to find out what happened. And every week, it would, it, it would just the, the plot would thicken. And um, it was, you know, one of those mystery shows. But it really wasn't. It was interesting because it wasn't all about the mystery. Like that really wasn't what made the show so intriguing. And when they finally revealed who it was that did it, I felt like that was kind of anticlimactic, really, because the show. Uh, it wasn't all about that. Like, I didn't even really care who did it at, at a certain point. I just was enjoying watching these characters, hearing what they had to say, and kind of piecing the uh, the investigation uh, together for myself. And season two of True Detective, now totally different storyline. We're now in California, um, completely removed. We're in modern day, uh, whereas the last season took place partly um, in the past, like 20 years in the past. Um, but this season, yeah, it's in California. We've got Colin Farrell. We've got Vince Vaughn. We've got Rachel McAdams. Um, it's it's a, an interesting cast when it was announced. I was very skeptical about it, and I'm still not 100% yet, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, and and the, the season is off to a much more sluggish start than the first season, which was instantly engaging. And I think part of the reason the first season was instantly engaging was because you had all these great scenes of dialogue between Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey, obviously two very gifted, strong actors, so comfortable. You could tell that, I mean, th- these guys became really good friends on the set of the show, and it really it really showed. I think it really came off that way. So this season is, once again, it's off to a more sluggish start. I think it's got more to prove. I think the, uh, the gentleman who writes the show, who created the show, Nick Pizzolatto, he is... Um, 
he probably was feeling the pressure after first season was so critically acclaimed. But then I felt like the first season of True Detective also, interestingly, kind of was underrated. I mean, remember like at the end of the year when no one was talking about it anymore and no one cared about it? I mean, it got passed up. It didn't win like any Emmys uh, and it was up for everything. And early in the year, everyone thought it was going to be the Emmy darling, but it ended up walking away empty handed. Um, so I feel like the show still has, it really does have something to prove that it wasn't just a one season fluke. And this season, as I said, off to a more sluggish start, but it's really gaining momentum. I feel like I'm two episodes, we're two episodes into it now as I speak. By the time you listen to the show, we'll be three episodes into it, but I haven't seen the third episode yet, obviously. Uh, but I'll say about this season, it's a bit more work to watch. There's a ton of exposition and a ton of dialogue, and the sound mixing is a little bit off, so it makes it hard to hear some of the exchanges. So if you're going to watch True Detective Season 2, the one imperative I, I tell you you have to do, turn the subtitles on. Um, on HBO Go, HBO Now, whatever, on your TV, if you're just watching it on regular-ass TV, as Dave Chappelle called it, um, turn on the subtitles because you don't want to miss any of this dialogue. You're, you're going to miss it if you don't have the subtitles on. I mean, I don't know. what I'd be completely lost if, uh, if I wasn't reading everything that they were saying. Uh, but I feel like the show is definitely starting to reveal itself as an intriguing watch once again this season. Um, I mean, we've got these four main players whose backgrounds are still very vague, so there's le- he's leaving a lot open for the imagination as far as what is, is kind of fueling these these characters on, these three guys and, and one female. Um, and, and they're all, like, I mean, d- deeply troubled. I mean, it's just, it's interesting. And as with season one, Pizzolatto is leaving a lot of the quote-unquote detective work up to the audience. By littering the frames, he's got possible hints and red herrings in the backgrounds. I mean, one of the great things about the first season was, like, the paintings in the background would reveal something. The uh, the way that a certain shot was framed, the dolls on the ground in one of the most iconic scenes um, of the first season of the show. Uh, the photographs that you'd have to look on the mantle in the background to see and freeze frame. And, I mean, that was what made that show so intriguing because you were doing a lot of the detective work yourself. And a, and a lot of things were never fully explained. So it just left itself up for endless fan theories. And that's what's going on here, too. Um, if you go to Reddit, I don't know if you use Reddit, but if you don't, um, at least go to Reddit and search True Detective and get on the True Detective board and just read some of these like these theories that are coming out. And these people that are, are watching the show seven, eight times and freeze-framing the episodes and, and saying, what about this frame here? What about this line of dialogue that was said in the first season that somehow connects back to here? I mean, this stuff, this is fascinating. I love this kind of stuff. I love careful viewing. And I feel like I watch shows pretty carefully, but I mean, these guys are like, they, they take it to another level. I don't know if they don't have lives or what it is, but uh, I mean, they, they I'm lucky if I can watch each episode twice um, and get a lot out of it. But I mean, these guys are just like pouring through them second by second. And it, it makes the show even more interesting to watch when you read some of these theories. Um, and who knows? I mean, maybe it's all bullshit. I mean, maybe Pizzolatto is just writing a straightforward, uh, a straightforward crime thriller drama. But uh, it's being treated like the philosophical work of the century, and that's how the first season was also. This season doesn't have all that philosophy yet that the first season did. This season's uh, a little bit more straightforward as far as the as far as the dialogue, the things that people are saying. It's not quite as lofty as some of the lines that McConaughey's character dropped, but um, it, it's still it's, it's strong writing. Colin Farrell, I feel like, is doing some of the best work of his career. I mean, I, I've never been that impressed with him. There have been times. I mean, I think he. I think he's been really funny at times. I think he's been 
you know, dramatic. I don't know. But in this season of True Detective, he's 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 giving it his all. He's doing a lot as the you know, it's an over it's a played out character type. But I mean, the drunken detective with the with the past of being connected to the mob. I mean, it's kind of it's very played out. But still, he's doing a nice job with it. Stop! 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 I thought that got you off, kid. Seeing people in pain. If you ever bully or hurt anybody again, I'll come back and buck your father with your mom's headless corpse on this goddamn lawn. Twelve years old, my ass. You. Vince Vaughn, to me, isn't quite connecting yet. I'm not buying him as this guy who's like a formerly ruthless gangster. Um, but uh, I mean, we're only two episodes in again. And I, and I think I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I like Vince Vaughn and there's a reason they cast him in this role. Uh, he did have one great scene in the second episode of the, uh, of, of the second season that was just, I mean, had me glued to the TV the whole time I was watching it. And Rachel McAdams to me though, is the true star of the show. She's showing an edge that I've never seen from her. Um, I mean, there's nothing romantic at all about this character that she's playing. Uh, she's got this deeply flawed, troubled female, uh, investigator, uh, with all kinds of questions about her past and her childhood, especially. And it's just, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's an intriguing watch. We've got a lot of threads to follow, a lot more threads than there were in the first season. And I feel like it's going to be fun Kind of just pulling them and finding out where they lead uh, this year. So True Detective Season 2 going on right now on HBO. You can get caught up on it on the HBO Go app watching the uh, first few episodes right now. Definitely recommend it. But once again, flip on the subtitles or you're going to miss just about everything. All right, let's go ahead and take a break and we'll send it over to uh, Andy Sedlak, our music editor. Find out what he's got recommended uh, for you this week, what he's been jamming on. And uh, I'll be right back after that to uh, talk some movies with you uh, coming up after Sedlak. So uh, take it away, Andy. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ah, yes, good to be with you guys. So, there are a lot of artists going country. Lots of rock artists going country. Lots of pop artists going country. Uh, Cynics or critics, non-believers perhaps, (laughs) may say that these are artists who can no longer sell to rock audiences or pop audiences. And... It's also sort of established at this point that rock and pop fans 
aren't buying records like they used to. Well, country fans still pretty much are. And since country fans are still buying, that genre has all of a sudden become more appealing, let's say. So artists are getting this country makeover, okay? This is C&W makeover. And some are successful at it, and others are not. Now, Darius Rucker was very successful. Cheryl Crow has not been as successful. Put out the lawn chairs and turn on the hose. We'll play Jack Johnson. He's the new Don And Brett Michaels also uh, not particularly successful. Hot chicks, cold beer. Let's keep the pie rolling up in here. And cold beer, hot chicks. Both feel good when they hit your lips. Now, all this uh, brings me to Steven Tyler, who, of course, the frontman for Aerosmith, uh, flamboyant frontman for the legendary band Aerosmith, uh, released his debut country single. It's a solo cut. The song is called Love Is Your Name. Uh, Take a listen here. So there it is, Steven Tyler's new song, Love Is Your Name, and this is his attempt at going country. Probably, I would say, the most notable rock musician to totally uh, do an about face or a 180 and go deliberately toward mainstream country music. Um but take it take another listen to the song. Just let me play a little bit more here for you. There's really not much different here. Yeah, I was listening to this song uh, last week, and I was, you know, just kind of thinking about it. And you know, it's it's really the more I listen to it, it just sounds like mid tempo, early '90s Aerosmith with a pedal steel and banjo. It's not like it's not like Stephen is yodeling or anything. Um, and the other thing is, it's not totally in step. With today's mainstream country music, either kick the dust up, uh, which is more than fine with me. But I, I don't know if country radio picks it up. I mean, I've got, I've got, look, you know, fairly okay sources over country radio. I, I don't know if I can hear this being played on the radio. Maybe it will be played uh, because Stephen is now sort of at one. Uh, with Middle America now after his work on American Idol, but I, I still I still feel like I have my doubts. It still feels like a Boston guy uh, posing as a Nashville lifer. Okay, he, he ain't George Strait. Jack, yes or no? How's that for a statement? Steven Tyler ain't George Strait. <laughs> 
Uh, hey, it, I'm not kidding you. It is good to be with you. This is uh, this is something we always enjoy doing. Uh, you know, this podcast every other week. Uh, and that was that was one thing I sort of wanted to touch on. Wanted to get off my chest there. These artists going country uh, and Steven Tyler included. Now that's a notable, noteworthy musician who is, like I say, gone down this country uh, uh, country road, so to speak. I have not heard any other cuts from his new album. I will throw that out there as well. Um, so maybe that first single is sort of um, right. Right down the middle, um, you know, trying to please the country fans as well as his established fan base. And that is entirely possible. Maybe there's some different stuff on the album. Uh, I do not know. All I'm talking to you about is this song, uh, Love Is Your Name. So, uh, But speaking of Nashville, that was one of the cities uh, the Foo Fighters visited in their recent documentary series um, called Sonic Highways. The Sort of the... the premise is twofold one they're looking at the the history of music in each city um and two they're taking that knowledge what they found out through the interviewing and in in the making of this documentary and they're writing songs uh for an album also uh, titled excuse me titled sonic highways and one of the cities they visited uh was new orleans and they profiled different musicians, and, and I watched this last night, and I was I was uh, enthralled by it. You know, I thought it was really good. If you haven't seen this documentary series, I, it, it may, it's not totally new, by the way. Um, I'm just now catching up with it. Um, I'm assuming that many of you are, are kind of like me. You know, you don't uh, necessarily catch something the, the just the freaking second it drops we're all busy right anyway i watched the episode about new orleans uh talked to different musicians uh alan toussaint uh trombone shorty dr john dr john by the way the 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 uh sort of the the stuff that they did with him was really interesting kind of talked about how he started uh as a guitar player and and he actually gave a really great quote uh during the interview that really speaks to uh his entire artistic philosophy and it's that if you don't roll with it you'll roll under it <laughs> and i just sat up when i heard that of course dave Grohl, uh front and center here he created the series served as director depending on how you feel about dave Grohl, that may influence how you feel about the series itself uh there were parts where i really thought they were trying to drive home two points one is that Dave Grohl is such a nice guy. <laughs> and two is that Dave Grohl is such a historian. It kind of felt like they were campaigning to get Grohl on, on the $5 bill in a couple of different spots. Uh, the film, at least the New Orleans episode, was most effective, I thought, when Grohl just got out of the way. And let these regional musicians speak. And, and I will say, it's not to dump on Dave Grohl. I think he is a good interviewer. I mean, he's, he is a personable guy. He's naturally inquisitive. He's got a curious nature about him. And that serves him well in this type of setting. One of the things I love about New Orleans is a lot of cities have a musical community. Right, right. But this community is like families. So tell me about your grandfather. My grandfather was Jesse Hill, Oopoopadu. He spent a lot of time around uh, Dr. John, uh, Fats Domino, all those people. So he was an R&B singer. Jesse Hill and uh, Dr. John and 
James Carroll Booker, my brother Charles. You know, when I was growing up, and part of the scene was my living room. That's where the rehearsal was, at our house. Is music like a family business? <laughs> yeah, when you think about it, it is like a family business. Now, I liked it enough to DVR two other entries in the series. Seattle, uh, they did a, an episode uh, in Seattle, which of course is where Nirvana formed. It's the birthplace of grunge, essentially. Uh, and also New York. I mean, you could probably do an, the entire series about New York. Um, so I'm anxious to see what they do with that. And if you have any thoughts on this, by the way, again, I, I throw this out there. Um, please feel free to uh, shoot me an email. It's sedlacjournal at gmail.com. Sedlacjournal at gmail.com. Uh, my last name, by the way, is spelled S-E-D is in dog, L-A-K. And the word journal, it's all squished together there at Gmail. So Clint and I were having beers the other night. A few beers. <laughs> and this came up. We, we started to, we're, we're talking music, and we started talking about Casey Musgraves. And I remember him actually telling me about Casey Musgraves uh, a few years ago. And just kind of said, you know, here's a young girl. She's way ahead of her time. And uh, he couldn't have been more right about that one. She's just a hell of a, a hell of a writer. Um, she released an album at that point. Her first album was called Same Trailer, Different Park. Um, she just released a new album that debuted at number one on the country charts this week. Uh, it's called Pageant Material. It's a refreshingly good album. Um, so if I have anything to recommend this week, it's that you give Casey's album a shot. Again, it's called Pageant Material. Uh, she's just sort of a walking refreshment in general, although I did not love uh, the first single from the album. It's called Biscuits. Just hold your own road. I thought it was too cute, too clever, too chummy, maybe a little too preachy, actually. Uh, Maybe it bothered me because I thought it was almost identical in spirit to a song called Follow Your Arrow from her first record. Yeah, so there's Follow Your Arrow. Uh, Biscuits is just sort of like that song, only uh, not as good. Again, very similar in spirit. The one track that I've totally fallen in love with is the title track. Take a listen. This is pageant material from the album Pageant Material. My mama cried when she realized I
song is really about identity as much as it's about a reaction to fame. And the song, the song really reminds me of two other performers, uh, you could say. And they're both good, I promise. One is Loretta Lynn. And the White House social season should be glittering and gay. But here in Topeka, the rain is a-falling. The faucet is a-dripping and the kids are a-balling. One of them a-toddling and one is a-crawling and one's on the way. The other is Lorleen Lumpkin from The Simpsons. Work all day for some old man, sweat and break your back. Yeah. Then you go home to your castle, but your queen won't cut your slack. That's true. That's why you're losing all your hair. That's why you're overweight. Uh-huh. That's why you flip your pickup truck right off the interstate. That's right. Except for the pickup truck. There's a lot of bull that hands you. There's nothing you can do. I don't understand you, but I do. No, your wife don't understand you, but I do. <laughs> now tell me, tell me you can't hear that. Tell me you can't. <laughs> You Simpsons aficionados will appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but for, uh, getting back to pageant material, the first track on the album, as, I, as I'm sitting to you now, I can't uh, I can't recall the title. Yes, I've got a computer in front of me. I could Google it. Not going to. Uh, but the first song on the album is really good as well. I haven't heard the full album, but what I have heard is, is really excellent. excellent. Uh, it's a confident record. And there's a confidence that's... Um, in this album, again, what I've heard of it, that wasn't necessarily in the first, uh, in, in Casey's first album. A lot of times, that first album from a young artist is very observational. These are all of your observations. You're just, you're sort of in a, a that observational mindset. And a lot of times then as artists begin to mature and they begin to begin to grow, um, they tend to sort of become more, I don't want to say proactive, um, but I guess I just did. I guess there's more action to go with the initial observation because they're growing. They're, they're, they're going a little deeper out into the water. It's a natural progression. And I felt that that, progression was reflected uh in her newest release again it's called a uh, pageant material it's to uh download that as well if you want to take a listen to it if you want to stream it hell pick it up on vinyl there's so many ways to get music now there's so many like old school ways that are still hip 
and uh, in new school ways that are totally hip. I feel like the only thing that's not hip is buying CDs. And, of course, that's that's what I find myself doing more often than not. And I don't know why. Maybe it's just because, you know, you can go to these secondhand stores and you can buy, like, eight CDs for uh, for six bucks. Um, and I always liked – I used to have so many good memories, by the way, not to get off on this thing. And I'm not I'm not preaching CDs, you know. I don't, I don't know if there's a, a superior uh, way to necessarily listen to music. It's all freaking preference. You know, you've got vinyl lovers who love – uh, just the feel of vinyl, and I like dropping the needle on a record as much as anybody. But there's no way it sounds better than a CD. There just isn't. I mean, it 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 doesn't sound as good. All the crackles and snaps and farts and the stuff that you get with vinyl. Anyway, my point was I have so many good memories of like going into like a you know my the Best Buy in my hometown or whatever, running in and getting the CD and like you know, power walking back to the car and opening my car and getting in and, you know, tearing off the shrink wrap and and putting the CD in my CD player and then, like, going through the lyric book. And, you know, I could be in the parking lot for half an hour, 40 minutes sometimes going through that thing. And it sounds sad, I know. But anyway, sentimentally speaking, I'm I'm still attached to CDs. It's like the only thing, like, that's the only way to listen to music right now that's not cool. Um, But anyway, however you get your music, However you choose to do it, I could not recommend Casey Musgrave's pageant material much more. And and she's going to have an interesting career to watch, by the way. Um, She has said recently in interviews that there are other sounds um, that she would like to dive into a little bit more. Reggae actually being one of them. And that could be a lot of fun. Guys... I appreciate it, as always. But I got to run. I'm going to throw it back to Clint. Thanks so much. Keep on smiling. All right, let's move on. Let's uh, let, let's get into uh, – I'm going to keep things on television for a minute before I get into – before I shift over into movies. Because I had something I was thinking about this week. Um, I don't know if you watched any of e, E3 – the big uh, electronic expo that goes on every year. Uh, it's, it's a huge video game show. If you're, if you're not into games, you may not follow it. But really now it's kind of uh, even expanding because these companies are, I mean, everybody just is into television and everybody, every game system is also a, you know, streaming device. So Sony announced that they're going to be introducing a program in big markets, only in a few markets at first, that will allow you to subscribe to television channels a la carte. Which to me has always been like a no-brainer, you know. Cable packages are a complete ripoff. Satellite packages are a complete ripoff because you got 900 channels of that, and, and so many of them you would never even flip to. I mean, ever. You got like 26 shopping channels. First off, old ladies are the only people using those. Uh, I, I mean, it's just it, it's there's so many that I would I would never again never even think to use. But you're paying for them. So a la carte uh, streaming is an a la carte cable is the greatest idea and the most simple idea ever, but, I mean, it's it's red tape and the, the business has just never allowed it. So Sony's going to start doing this now. And I was thinking, though, I'm like, if I could only have 10 channels, and I'm going to exclude the networks here. I was looking through my TV guide the other day, uh, just scrolling through the channels, and I'm like, okay, let me say I wanted to keep 10 channels. If I could subscribe to any 10 channels, excluding the networks, because you're always going to get those, the 10 that I would take would be these, HBO, 
I'd take Showtime. I'd take uh, Fox Sports Ohio, which is you know my local Fox Sports channel, just so I can watch my uh, my teams. Uh, Turner Classic. I'd definitely take TCM. I'd take uh, FX. That's five. I'd take AMC, ESPN, IFC, ABC Family, just because they have great movies, because they always show Disney movies, and Palladia is probably my tenth one, which is the, like the music, the concert channel. And that was a bit of a struggle, coming up with like ten channels. And I'm somebody who loves television, always have loved it, but I had a hard time coming up with ten channels that I would like to get. I mean, more accurately, probably like seven, I'd be fine. And I would not really mourn the loss of those other networks. So my cable guide has over 100 channels on it. And I had trouble coming up with 10 of them that I like. And I left out, on that list, I left out Comedy Central. I left out TBS. I left out TNT. I left out E! Because that network hasn't been good since Stern's uh, TV show was on. And uh, Wild On with Brooke Burke went off the air. Uh, and, and, And many more. So 10 channels that I wanted to keep. Those were the 10 if I had to, if, if I was at gunpoint. From Time Warner, and they told me I had to pick 10 networks. That would, Those would be my 10. So I wondered from you guys what your 10 channels would be if you had to pick 10. Um, and and is it was it hard for you? If you come up with a list, send me an email, theclintdavis at gmail.com, theclintdavis at gmail.com, or just list the channels in a tweet uh, to at overdue underscore review. Um, and I'll, I'll read them on the show next week because I had a hell of a time coming up with 10 channels. So, I mean, just think of the, the channels that you've got if you can look through your guide and, and figure out which 10 you would just, like, not be able to live without, I guess, which is, I mean, that's overly dramatic. I think I could probably live without ABC Family, but just saying. I mean, if I had to pick 10, those those would be my 10. So, uh, yeah, once again, I'll give you the list. HBO, Showtime, Fox Sports Ohio, TCM, FX, AMC, ESPN, IFC, ABC Family, and Palladia. Those are my 10. So what are your 10? That's uh, what I'm wondering about. All right, let's get into films here. Uh, I went to uh, the theater last weekend and caught uh, Inside Out and caught Spy. And I'm not going to talk about Inside Out just because, I mean, everyone's already said everything about it. I mean, God, you couldn't go anywhere without reading how everyone thought this was the greatest film since Citizen Kane. I thought it was really good. Uh, It wasn't my favorite Disney movie. It wasn't my favorite Pixar movie. But it was very strong. Some of the best voice acting. I mean, I thought Amy Poehler was – I thought Amy Poehler was perfect. Uh, in her role, and Phyllis Smith from The Office was uh, was perfect in her role as well. And it was just, it was a heartwarming movie. I mean, it was one of those that it moved you to tears at times, of course, as you expect from Pixar now. But once again, not going to talk about Inside Out too much because I think it's, I think you, you've probably already seen it. And if you haven't seen it, you know it's good. Its reputation precedes it. And I'd certainly, I would say I would recommend uh, going to see that one. Uh, but I want to talk about Spy for a minute because this movie was very, very funny. Melissa McCarthy uh, and Paul Feig is directing this thing. The guy who did, um, the guy who did uh, Bridesmaids, and who did Freaks and Geeks, and he was in uh, Heavyweights back in the day. One of my favorite Disney movies. Melissa McCarthy stars as this CIA. Uh, she's somebody who she's like a CIA operator. Basically, she sits in a basement somewhere, like in Langley, and uses a headset to communicate with the spies who are out in the field. Um, and, and she's basically doing all the heavy lifting from where she's at uh, and watching out for them from cameras and everything else. But she's not actually out in the field. And it's like the whole the whole uh, bureau has underestimated her. So she finally gets to go out in the field and, and prove herself. And I got to tell you, I mean, the movie really lets her get raw and play a very original character. Like, I did not feel like this was a character that I had seen before. 
in movies. I mean, I, I felt like this was a very original, especially as a lead character. Now, this character normally would have been like on the, she would have been the side character. I mean, essentially, it was like you know Miss Moneypenny from James Bond, who was just like a female. She wasn't even a sex object. Moneypenny wasn't. She was just. I mean, Bond liked teasing her. I mean, she was she was an object, but she didn't get out in the field. She didn't ever get to prove herself. She just fawned over Bond all the time. And and in and, and this movie, it's like if she was the main character, she got to go out in the field and she got to kick some ass and be raw. I mean, it was it was very original. Good stuff. Uh, I, I was glad that this film didn't turn into like an Austin Powers like spoof of the spy genre. That's what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be making fun of all these tropes from spy movies. And while it does do that a little bit. Um, it, especially in a character that's played by uh, Jason Statham, who is uh, maybe the the best part of the movie um, as far as a, a supporting character goes. Uh, the movie exists as itself and it's, as its own legitimate entry into the spy genre, though. I mean, really. Um, Statham, is it's the funniest work of his career. He plays a similar part to his usual tough guy routine, but in this setting it's very funny, especially because he cranks the intensity up like a thousand percent. Um, and I, I, once again, I'm just glad that Melissa McCarthy is a leading actress. I'm just glad she's out there getting work like this because we're, I think we're all better for it. And I think movies, uh, are better for having, uh, someone of her talents, um, out there. I mean, she's just, uh, she gives it her all, man. It's I mean, she's, she's raw in a few scenes of this thing. I mean, definitely this is not one of those, uh, that, I mean, this is a hard R and I was glad to see a hard R comedy. Uh, in theaters once again. So I give that one a, a definite recommendation. When it comes out on DVD, it's not a must in theaters, but when it comes out, uh, definitely go out and rent it at least uh, and check it out. If you see it streaming somewhere, you you got you to gotta give Spy a watch. I think you'll like it. And you should not be in this casino because Toluca's here and I need to get close to him. Yeah, how are you going to do that? Huh? How are you going to do that, Cooper? We're going to seduce him? That you big plan? Yeah, what if it is? Why, why is that so hard to believe? Because you look like a flute player in a wedding band. That's why I'm here to take the Luca out. Ooh, it sounds romantic. How do you get lucky? God damn it. If I was trying to sound romantic, you'd be lying on the floor, soaking wet and breathless, wondering what came over you. But I'm not. Stay away from me, Ford. And do not let Deluca see you. And by the way, I can see your gun sticking out of your back pocket unless you're so extreme that you've got a second dick coming out of your hip. All right, some Netflix recommendations for you, things that are streaming now. Uh, you can always check these on our website as well. Right on the homepage over on the right side there. Um, High Fidelity from 2000 with John Cusack. Uh, this movie, I, I fell in love with this movie the first time I saw it when I was a teenager. And uh, he, he plays a guy who runs a record store. He's obsessed with music. He's always obsessed with giving his top five tracks for every given situation in life. He ranks everything in top five lists. And I think this movie has definitely influenced my obsession with that as I got older. I would definitely point to this one. Um, and, and he's just a complete, like, he's not likable at all. Um, and just alienates every girlfriend he gets. And he, he's got this crew of, of really likable, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't exactly call him the kind of guys that you would aspire to be like as his, his coworkers at the store and his, basically his friends, his de facto friends. They're not really, they're not really going out and doing a whole lot of stuff. But Jack Black in one of his first roles, um, and he is so funny in it. It's uh, it, it's a great movie. So High Fidelity, if you're in the mood for a, it's it's got a, a tinge of romance, but not really. If you're kind of feeling cynical, give High Fidelity a watch. It's a great movie for that. And if you love music, you got to watch High Fidelity. You'll uh, you'll love that. You'll love the music in it. And it's got a, a cameo from Bruce Springsteen. I mean, come on. Uh, one more Netflix recommendation for you. This one from 1998. This would be Darren Aronofsky's Pie. 
this was Aronofsky's first feature, and um, I've always liked this one, too. It follows an obsessive mathematician who finds a number that supposedly is going to unravel the secrets of the universe. Now, I, I know it's, it sounds very art house, and of course, with Darren Aronofsky, you expect it, it probably is. It's a claustrophobic watch. Uh, definitely. It is not sprawling or anything. I mean, it takes place in New York in this shitty apartment that this guy's got. Um, it's in black and white. And to me, the movie is very reminiscent. I like it a lot because it's really reminiscent of the James Stewart Hitchcock movies. Like The Man Who Knew Too Much. It especially reminds me like of that. Um, it, it's got plenty of mystery. It's got a lot of intrigue. And it is a perfect introduction to Darren Aronofsky's style if you haven't watched his films. Um, it's very much like he also did Requiem for a Dream. Um, he did Black Swan as well, which was uh, really one of the best movies of the last 10 years, um, I would say. And this this movie is a lot like those two. It's not so much like The Wrestler, which is very different. It's not like The Fountain, which was absolutely awful. Um, but it's it's a lot like Requiem and like Black Swan, I would say. So uh, give Pi a watch if you're into something heady and you, you kind of – Maybe it's a rainy day or something, or a, a, a dark night. You can't sleep very well. Flip on pie. I think you'll. Uh, I think you'll dig the movie, especially if you like intrigue and you like uh, you like mystery and thrillers. Um, all right, and finally, uh, some movies that are going to be opening in theaters by the next time we talk here on the Stream Police, uh, July seventeenth. These two are are hitting theaters. Uh, Marvel's Ant Man. This is the third phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I feel like this one looks different than any of the other ones that we've seen. Um, even different than Guardians of the Galaxy, which I feel like maybe is the closest in, in feel to it. Because it's definitely going to be, it's got to be a comedy, right? I mean, the movie was co-written by Paul Rudd, who stars in it, and Adam McKay, who's like Will Ferrell's best buddy. He's the guy that co-wrote Anchorman and Step Brothers. He directed those. And it's directed by Peyton Reed. And this is a guy that is known strictly for comedy. He's not known for anything but comedy. He did The Breakup, the Vince Vaughn, Jennifer Aniston movie. He did Bring It On, he did Yes Man, the Jim Carrey vehicle, and he even directed a good number of episodes of the Back to the Future animated series back in the day. So he's never done anything even close to an action film, let alone one with this big a budget and this high of expectations because of the Marvel banner. So I'll be interested to see how he rises to the occasion, Peyton Reed, and if it ends up being a good choice as a director. I mean, I I expect a lot of laughs, though, in Ant-Man. I think the whole time... They're probably, I mean, I'm surprised it's Marvel just because I feel like the whole time these guys are going to want to maybe take shots at the superhero genre. So I hope it's not going to take itself too seriously, and that's what's going to really make it great because it is a goofy concept, a guy who puts a suit on that makes him the size of a freaking ant. I mean, the whole thing is just wacky as hell, and I think the trailers have reflected the humor that's going to be found there. Uh, But I'm going to be interested to see if this one lives up to the rest of the Marvel films because, I mean, really they have all been pretty great especially since like the the hulk movie with edward norton they've all been good since then uh, no clunkers in that group um and also coming out on july 17th another uh, comedy train wreck the amy schumer this is an amy schumer vehicle she wrote it and she is uh starring in it and it's going to be directed by judd apatow who's back uh for his first film since uh this is 40 which i actually didn't see a few years ago but i saw all of his other movies and and really, Funny People gets dogged on a lot, but I still liked it, even though it probably needed a half hour uh, of, of fat trimmed. But, I mean, you can't, say, you can't say anything bad about the 40-year-old virgin or knocked up. So hopefully Trainwreck is a return to form for Judd Apatow. But I did look at the runtime, and the movie clock's ended over two hours once again. And you know, I mean, for a comedy, that is just, that's a 
freaking marathon, man. Um, I mean, that's how long like Knocked Up was. And I was watching Knocked Up in theaters. And as much as I liked the movie, it was just like, God, I mean, is this thing ever going to end? John Apatow is like the guy who knows no edits. He does not know how to cut things down. He doesn't want to cut things down, and he's not going to. So, uh, yeah, look for look for Trainwreck uh, in theaters as well. I, you know, once again, I, I can't give any thoughts on it because I don't know how good it is. But uh, Schumer is on the hottest streak of any comedian right now. She's the biggest comedian in the world, I would say. At this point, she's kind of taken that mantle from uh, from Louis C.K. in the last couple of years. I mean, winning a Peabody for her television show on Comedy Central, and really just getting a lot of respect out there. Um, and this movie, I think, is going to be a huge, huge moment for her. If it ends up being a big hit and it ends up being, you know, critics love it, then uh, I, I expect her to be, once again, launched kind of into that comedy stratosphere that we have not seen a lot of women uh, be launched into, uh, especially in recent years. So uh, Trainwreck and Ant-Man hitting theaters next time. Uh, by the next time that we chat. All right, that's going to do it for the Stream Police Podcast for this week. Appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. And uh, I want to thank uh, Andy Sedlak for chipping in once again as well. Go over to the website, overduereview.com. Follow us on Twitter at overdue underscore review or like us on Facebook. And you can always email me, uh, movie requests, television show requests, thoughts. I want to know your 10 channels that you couldn't live without. If you can come up with 10, <laughs> good luck. Uh, my email is theclintdavis at gmail.com. T-H-E, clintdavis at gmail.com. Once again, I'm Clint Davis from OverdueReview.com. Thank you very much, friends. We'll talk next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.